Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. We're a church family in North Carolina with a vision for people to experience the grace of Jesus, be filled with the Father's love, and to release the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's this week's message from Wilmington. All right, let's get into this. So my message last week didn't record, so you cannot listen to it. Um, unfortunately, we had some technical issues, but we're going to try to get on top of those so that doesn't happen again. But, uh, but what we've been doing is talking about, or last week was our first weekly service. So what we want to do as part of these early services is talk a little bit about our vision um, for River Life Wilmington. And in particular, I think to help share a little bit, especially as folks are visiting or, or checking out um, who we are, you know, so that you can grasp a little bit about what's important to us, um, but also so we can bring those things to life in us as a, you know, individuals too. So we, we really feel like this stuff applies to us as a corporate body, um, but also us individually. So even if you're just visiting only for today, I think the Lord has something for you today that he wants to, you know, ignite in you and invite you into. So, yeah, so we've kicked off this series about our vision. And last week I talked a little bit about a part of our vision that talks about encounters, but I'll, I'll actually read our vision. We're going to put it up today. We have a slide. So our vision is to host. And I said last week, if we were reading this in the amplified uh, version, this would be with extravagant hospitality. So to host with extravagant hospitality, a diverse church body that encounters the love and presence of the father the grace of Jesus, and indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Those encounters lead to radically changed and filled lives and a people who are activated into their identity and callings and carry the presence and kingdom of God into the city of Wilmington and beyond. We created that as we set out to, you know, River Life. And uh, it has some core values of who we are as a larger family. Um, but it also expresses our heart here, uh, you know, for what we feel like God has for us in Wilmington. And last week I started to unpack this piece about encounters. And I won't um, share my entire message. But this piece that says the uh, diverse body that encounters the love of the Father, grace of Jesus, and indwelling of his Holy Spirit. We use some um, Christianese. I said this last week too. In here, my my son kind of he's a twenty one year old and he's a uh, youth intern at the church back home. And he's like, "Dad, do you really want to use those words?" I'm like, "I don't know what other words to use." <laughs> this like helps me explain what I'm trying to get at. But I, I do want to unpack unpack it. And we've been unpacking this term in particular encounters. So I'll, I'll do a quick review. Last week, we talked about how encounters speak to experiences that happen that aren't necessarily scripted or planned for experiences, right? There are things that happen maybe even by definition, by chance, or that happen unexpectedly, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they shouldn't be common. So I want to kind of paint that, you know, re- reiterate those things. And we talked about how encounters can look like physical encounters. We looked at some biblical examples, right? Jacob wrestled with God himself. Jesus met the men on the road to Emmaus in person. We talked about how you can have physical encounters with things, like people would be in the shadow of Peter and get healed, right? That was an encounter with something. Moses had an encounter with a burning bush, right? Encounters in dreams. We talked about how Peter was told to get up, kill, and eat. 
And uh, that was kind of in a, in a trance, in a vision. Isaiah had this vision where he was in the throne room of God, and, and God to- called him into his, his calling to be a messenger to Israel, right? The coals on his lips, the here I am, Lord, send me. Um, encounters like Paul had, where he had an invitation on his missionary trip. He didn't know, well, he thought he was going one place. And then in a dream, he got invited to Macedonia and it kind of pivoted his path. And instead he went to Macedonia. So those are encounters in dreams and then encounters with the voice of God itself, like the actual audible voice of God. I shared an experience where maybe I, maybe I heard the actual voice of God. Um, I think the actual voice of God is real. I, you know, I think that it's maybe a little bit more uncommon, but I think the still small voice of God is ever present and very, very real. And we know as his sheep, we hear his voice, right? We know his voice. So those are just some of the examples that we shared last week about biblical precedents for encountering or experiencing the Lord, Does that make sense? So far, so good? Everybody on board? All right. Some of you are like, I don't remember you talking about that last week. Well, I did. So, but you can't go back and listen to it to fact check me. You'll have to take my word for it. I shared some personal examples, really, as I hope to stir up our, you know, when a testimony, you share a testimony and it stirs up people's hunger. Like, I want that, Lord. Uh, And so I shared some of those with the hopes to kind of stir things up a little bit. Because we believe, y'all, that encounters with the Lord didn't uh, go away. Like, we don't believe, we believe that encounters in the Bible were captured and documented for us as, a, you know, uh, an invitation for us to also have those same experiences. Like, we don't believe those died when some people decided that the Bible was completely, you know, canonized and, and packaged up, and here we go, ready to go, and that was it. We don't, we believe that they're for us today, and, and we're so excited about it. So I'm going to pick up there. That was a quick recap of last week. I'm going to pick up there and talk about well, why are encounters important. Does that sound good? And why are they, in my opinion, ongoingly important? I don't know if that's a word, but if it were a word... Okay, perfect, good. We need to have encounters, and, you know, not just a major encounter, I think, but encounters all the time. I think God wants to encounter us all the time, and why. So let's look at why they're important. We're going to spend some time in the Bible this morning. I hope that's okay. All right, so I'm going to let you turn with me to 1 Thessalonians, or you can uh, use your Bible app if you want to. I'm in the New Living Translation, and there's... Five or six other translations currently being turned to, which is great. First Thessalonians 1, so chapter 1, verse 9. For they keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave us and how you turned away from idols to serve the living and true God. What does that have to do with encounters? To serve the living and true God. Our God's alive. Amen? Like, do we believe our God's alive? Then I think we need encounters with a living God, like ongoing, on, ongoing encounters. Because we can have a great relationship with, with the Word, the written Word of God, which is also living. So that's actually exciting. Kind of 
proves a point. But I think we're invited into a, a relationship with a living God. I have a lot of notes that I've kept over the years from my wife. Um, we're not like big at like love letters or stuff, but you know, Valentine's Day cards or anniversary cards and I'll keep them and I'll, I'll, I have a stack of them and occasionally I pull some out. Usually when I'm cleaning up clutter and I find them, I'm like, whoa, what are these? And then I read a couple of them and I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. And it kind of reminds me of how, you know, maybe fun experiences in our life or like times when our kids were little and, you know, different. I can go back and I can read what my wife thought about me you know, in that moment. I can go back and be reminded of her heart for me, right? And I think in a, in a similar way in the Bible, like we can go back and we can remind ourselves of, of God's heart for us. I can be reminded about my wife's heart for me, her thoughts for me. In the Bible, we know we can be reminded of God's heart for us, his thoughts for us, even like what, what he wants us to do. But I wouldn't necessarily say I could have a strong relationship with my wife if all I did was go back and read her love letters to me. You know what I mean? Like, I have to have encounters with my wife. You know, I have to have experiences with my wife on the regular. Because <laughs> otherwise, I'm just living from something that she said once upon a time. But she has, you know, we have stuff for each other every day. Stuff that's new, stuff that's fresh, stuff that's, you know, for today, in the moment, in the midst of our experiences, and in the midst of our circumstances that are happening right now, we have some things to say to each other about it. In a similar way, I think God, when he encounters us, has stuff to say to us about what we're going through right now in life, right? All right, I'm preaching to the choir. That's awesome. Everybody's on board, no problems. So that's, for me, one of the reasons why encounters are important. Because we serve a living God, and he's got stuff to talk to us about today, for today. I think encounters are important because they compel us to change, like our, us to change. And, and encounters compel us to action. So that's really interesting. Last week we took a look at... Uh, a person by the name of Alice Clark wrote an article on Catch, uh, for Catch the Fire um, on their website. Anybody wants to know the article's name, I can tell you. I don't have it written down with me here. But it's a real article. And I don't know who Alice Clark is, but she seems really nice. But if you remember last week, I read some of the points that she had to talk about what are encounters. And she said uh, uh, two of the points that I thought were really interesting is encounters cause physical manifestations, and encounters produce fruit. When we have encounters with the Lord, something happens. It produces something in us. And oftentimes, that something, you know, is, is a change, right? Let's look at, okay, we're going to look at another Bible example. Let's go to Acts. Everybody can go there with me. We're going to go to Acts chapter 9. Oh, gosh, this was fascinating to read. Uh, it's been a minute, but uh, I'm actually not going to hang out too long in, in the first verse, but I did want to read the first verse. Uh, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, and he was going to ask them basically for their help to arrest and persecute and kill Christians. <laughs> I just, it's, 
it's always an interesting reminder for me of where Paul was. Where, where Paul, well, at this point, his name's Saul, right? Where Saul was when God encountered him. He was literally murdering people. Christians in particular. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, jump to 17, sorry. Jump to 17. And in 17, it says, so he was on the way to Damascus because he was rallying the support, right? He was lobbying for support to put, persecute more Christians. So in 17, we see, so Ananias went and found Saul. Okay, let me, let me catch us up, sorry. So in, on his way to Damascus, we know this story. God encountered Paul. And, and what happened? Paul went blind, Paul went blind in this encounter with the Lord, and then he went to a house, and this is where we pick up the story in 17, this man named Ananias, who also heard from the Lord. The Lord told Ananias to go to talk to Paul, and that's where we pick up here in 17. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. And then he ate, because that's what we do. And he regained his strength. Okay, he had an encounter with the Lord, right? The Lord literally showed up. He went blind. He heard the Lord's voice. He went blind. Ananias comes to his house. He lays hands on him, and he has this encounter where these, what seemed like scales fall from his eyes, Right? And we could probably dive into what were those scales and all the, the legalism and the religion that Paul, Saul, was carrying all those years, right? He was, he was the Pharisee of Pharisees, we know, right? He was learned in the scripture, in the Torah. Like, he was learned in the traditions of the, of the Jewish, you know, Jewish traditions at the time. That's, they fall off. The scales fall off his eyes, and he receives the Holy Spirit. That change, that encounter that Paul had changed him, right? It changed him. And then if we jump to 27, we see what happens. He, we, he, Paul got changed, and then what? In 27, Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Paul. He also told him that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. Who is this guy? Literally was killing Jesus, killing Jews, uh, sorry, Christians, killing people that were professing Jesus. And here he is now all of a sudden changed radically and he starts preaching about Jesus and Barnabas stands up in front of the apostles as a witness to Paul's the real deal. Don't be afraid of Paul. He's actually the real, real deal. Because, of course, they were afraid of him. Wouldn't we be? Like, somebody like that shows up in this room and be like, no, I'm changed. Yeah, you, okay. I don't, I'll believe it. <laughs> yeah, at any rate. He was compelled. So not only was he changed, but he was compelled to action. And that action immediately was to preach you know, for Paul. That's what that action looked like, to preach the good news, to prove that Jesus was the Messiah, that he had actually been persecuting people. And then we know his action from this encounter goes on further, right? He ends up, we all know the story, right? He ends up writing most of the, the epistles in the New Testament. He goes on all these missionary trips. He opens up all these churches. Like he, Paul's one of the major 
like fathers in the Christian faith, right? He was changed and compelled to action. I think that's a, you know, a point about encounters. Let's look at Peter's example. Uh, also in Acts, we're gonna, just going to go right into 10. Chapter 10, verse 9. This is actually, I was mentioning this earlier when Peter had a trance. Uh, this is that story. So in chapter, uh, verse 9, the next day as Cornelius's messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like large, a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, birds. And then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Or kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared. I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. I mean, Lord, that can't be you. You literally told us not to eat that stuff. Like, you're, haven't you read your own word, Lord? You told us not to. But the voice spoke again. Don't, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. And then the same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Like, Peter had this experience, and his encounter was actually a little contrary to what the word said, which is interesting. Now, I think that there's precedent for us to just always weigh um, encounters that we have to the, to the scripture, you know? Like, I think there's a value in that. Lord, if you're saying something, is there at least a, is there, is there a truth that I can stand on with this encounter so that I can make sure that I'm rooted in something? And, and you know, in this, God is actually setting a new precedence for the church, a new precedence for his people by showing Peter this and then talking about he himself has made this stuff clean, right? And, and what happens in this story is that Peter's confused. So it goes on. Peter's confused. He's like, I actually don't get what's going on. He's sharing this with Cornelius. He's like, I don't know what this means. And then if you jump to 44, just kidding, 34, we see a huge shift or this moment of shift in Peter's thinking, and he gets it. It says, Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of the good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of all. This is the message, again, 36. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. What happened is Peter realized that the vision he saw had nothing to do with food. It wasn't about actually ritual eating. The vision that he saw was God telling him that what I call clean is clean. I want you to have a relationship with the Gentiles, which is who he was going to be with in Cornelius' house. And I am for them too. No longer are people that didn't keep my, uh, well, that were from, of Jewish descent. It wasn't only about the Jews. God was extending an invitation for the Gentiles to be considered clean as well. 
Does that make sense? I know I'm not like, I'm not trying to teach on this specific topic. What I'm trying to point to is that that's a pretty big outcome of an encounter. Because Peter had this encounter, it changed his way of thinking, but then it also compelled him to action. And it compelled him to what action? If we jump to 44, so it changed his thinking, which we just saw there. And then even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit was being poured out on the Gentiles too. For they had heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. What was the point? Or what was the compelling action that Peter was called to? He was called to preach, to reach out to the Gentiles, to declare that things that God calls clean are clean. And as a result, Gentiles are, you know, basically accepted into the fold, right? Peter sets this precedent that we can now, um, we in this, many of us in this room, like this is our kind of origin story. (laughs) This is where the grafted in to the Lord's family started here. Well, it didn't start here, but this is a a key turning point for us um, as Gentiles, as non-Jewish. Okay, so again, I don't want to get like dive too much into teaching on that specifically. And I hope I didn't jump around too much. But the point that I'm trying to drive is that both Peter and Paul had major encounters with the Lord. They were changed and it compelled them to action. And in these cases, these actions were ginormous. Like these were really big outcomes that led to generations, thousands of years of change, right? And if we look at interactions that we have with the Lord, I think some of our encounters can, could be a, of that significance. You know, we see people like a Billy Graham, you know, experience and encounters the Lord, and, and he goes on to do amazing, incredible things um, in his ministry, for example, um, And then I think the outcomes that can happen in our lives, in our families, in our homes, in our workplace, in our communities, like God wants to change things. He wants to encounter us so that we're compelled, compelled to action. And our vision, if we go back to it, I won't put it on the the board again, but our vision goes on to say we have encounters and then those encounters lead to radically changed lives. Sorry, radically changed and filled lives. And a people who are activated into their identity and callings and carry the presence and kingdom of God into the city of Wilmington and beyond. We want to be a place, a people that encounter the Lord and then what? And then do something with it. We don't want to just encounter the Lord and feel good about ourselves and go home and say, well, that was a sweet service, you know? Or that was a sweet small group. Or that was a sweet time with the Lord. Praise God. Like, we want to praise God for that. I, I don't want to downplay that. We do want to praise God for that. What, a, what an honor and privilege it is that we get to worship together, that we get to have encounters. But we want to do something about it. We want that to cause us to action outside of the church walls. You know? We want... Hey, listen, this is our heart, y'all. I want everybody in this room, even if it's your first time, even if you'll never come back, we want, we want us to be filled with who you are, like to come into who you are, who God created you to be, your calling, the vision that God has for your life. Like we want you to have an encounter that lights a fire under that thing. 
so that you can go do the things that God created you to do. Like, we, if that's all that happened, praise God. And we think from there, then our communities changed. Our families are changed. Wilmington's changed. You know, the world's changed. Is that, how's that sound? Does that sound fun? Sound like a good, worthy work? We think it's worthy work. So how do we go after encounters? So we, we know what encounters are. Why are they important? They cause us to, you know, change and be compelled to action. And then, but how do we then go after encounters? It's kind of interesting because we mentioned by definition, encounters aren't necessarily something that can be scripted. You know, they aren't necessarily something that are predictable. At least the biblical precedents that we see. Like, God just kind of shows up, right? But I think there are things that we can do to go after encounters. Um, and so I just want to talk a little bit about those. I think we can desire encounters. Like, be hungry for encounters. I talked about that a little bit last week, encouraging people to get hungry. Do you want to encounter with the Lord? Do you want to encounter? I want to encounter the, like, actual, like, Jesus. I want, to, I want to have an encounter with Jesus. Like, walk in the room moment with Jesus. Like, see his face. Touch his, his hands. Wouldn't that be amazing? I want to encounter with the vo- audible voice of God. I want to encounter with this, more encounters with that still small voice. Like, I want, as big or small as they are, I want encounters. And I've recently in particular been just so hungry for the presence, like so hungry for the Lord to show up. And uh, it's just been really encouraging me. I think we can get hungry. And in Psalms 34.8, if you want to turn there, you can. Psalms 34.8, probably be good. Last week I didn't really have anybody open their Bible, and I was like, "Eh, maybe I should probably do that. We should probably talk about the Bible. All right, here's an action step for you for those of you that are hungry. Ready? Taste and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Y'all, that isn't um, hear and know. It doesn't say hear and know that the Lord is good. Right? Taste is an That's an experience. That's an actual tangible thing. See is actual tangible. It's our senses, right? Two of our senses are talked about here. And so I'm just encouraging you, get hungry. Get hungry for encounters. Profess that you want encounters and then go after them in action. Taste and see them. I think think it's an, an invitation for us that the Lord wants us to tangibly experience him. That makes sense. Matthew seven seven. Oh, I read this when I read this this time. And uh, maybe it's just in this translation to uh, the New Living Translation, as I mentioned. I love this, and it just struck me. Seven seven. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking. And the door will be open to you. I, I, I think other versions, probably NIV or, or New King James, right? It's ask, seek, and knock. I love this. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. 
keep on knocking. Again, it's this action-oriented verbs that are using, that he's using to, to illustrate, come after me. It's an invitation. You want, you need wisdom? Come get it. You want an encounter? Come get it. You want to see the goodness of the Lord? Come, come see it. And when you don't keep on, keep on seeking, keep on asking, keep on knocking, like that action, that invitation to do something about it, right? And then Hebrews 4, 6, you don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but it, it's the verse that talks about coming boldly into the throne room. So God's rest is there for people to enter. Nope. 16, sorry. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There will we, we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So let us come boldly to the throne of God. So let us come. We get to come in boldly. My perspective, I, I understand that this is about, you know, people who are, are seeking the Lord for some specific things. And it's talking about how he's our high priest and how he understands our weaknesses. And how we have access to his presence in the throne room of God. And how, y'all, before Jesus died, this was a not, not an option. This book is being written to the Hebrews to the Jewish people at the time, they were not allowed to go in boldly into the throne room. The Holy of Holies, you would get struck dead. Right? They'd tie ropes on the high priest, so if they died, they could pull them out. This was not an option. So, And I get that it's talking about the presence of the Lord, and I get that it's maybe not a direct relation. But in, for my when I was thinking about this message, I was like, it's an invitation. If you want an encounter, come boldly into the throne room of God and say, Lord, I want to encounter you. And we get to encounter him in that place. You know, it's just amazing. I feel like how the Lord, as believers, I feel like we have, we have a lot of access that we don't always take advantage of. You know? Um, it's like, I don't know, I'm in the software business. Uh, that's my day job. And uh, do, do anybody of you have like a computer app or a phone app or something and you use like 1% of it? Like you use it for one thing and you know that it can do all the other things, but you really don't know how to do it. And even if you did, you don't really want to do it, take like use all that stuff. I feel like in our Christian lives, sometimes we, we're using like 1% of what we have access to. You know, we have access and, and authority and privilege as heirs of the King of Kings. Y'all don't even get me started about like what that means from a royalty, from a Royal priesthood perspective. I don't think we get that because we don't grow up in a world that has a monarchy and like uh, what it means to be in the Royal family. If you're in a Royal family in a country that actually has Royals, you're in, in Dubai, you get like, you're just in, you're in. It's crazy. In Dubai, you get a different license plate. Like, you can have a certain number. If you have, I think it's like three or four digits on your license plate, if you, it says you're a royal family. And if you're not in the royal family, and I don't even get, like, you're just born into the royal family. Not even, like, in a prominent position. You just get it. In Dubai, they make every business person who's not royal, like, local, 
they have to have a sponsoring royal family member as part of their business. And that, and that royal family member owns the majority of their business, and they don't do anything. You just got to go find a royal, and they get more than half your business, and they just glean from it. And then, otherwise you can't have a business, and you do all the work, and they just reap the benefits. Now, that's crazy, and I don't know, like, that not necessarily is a good example of what the Lord's looking to do for us. But I'm just saying there's something to be, like, who we are as sons and daughters and our inheritance, and we're not even tapping into it. And I want to tie that, again, back into this world of experiences and encounters. We can, we can reap what we didn't sow. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But we can get into this place where I think the Lord um, wants to give us access. We, he doesn't want to give us access. We have access. <laughs> He's already given us the access. And he wants us to come boldly into that access and, and take advantage of it. Isn't that a, I think I'm excited, by, I'm excited by that. I think that uh, for me, I don't want to sit around and wait. You know, I don't want to sit around and wait for the Lord to do something. I think all of us in this room would say, like, Lord, if you want to encounter me, then go for it. Right? But I don't want to actually sit around and wait for that. I want to say, Lord, encounter me. Help me encounter you. Like, I want to be an active participant in going after those encounters. I want to take some action. I want to be hungry. I want to go get it. So I, I want to encourage us to do that also. And then I want to be expectant. I want to, you know, kind of wrap up with that. I want to be expectant. Our pastor um, in Mooresville one time talked about the, the word expectancy and being expectant without having expectations. And it, it shifted my world. Being expectant without having expectations. Did you get what I mean? Like, it helped me. To know that, because you know, God never does it how we think He's going to. What this thing that we're doing has looks nothing like we thought it would. Even this morning, I had all these expectations, and it's like none, not really looked anything like I thought it would, right? Because I had these expectations, and sometimes if we hold too tightly to our expectations, we can get disappointed in what it didn't look like, right? We can get disappointed that it didn't quite look like my dreams I thought it would. But if we're expectant and hopeful and waiting for the Lord and expecting him to do some things and let go of our expectations on what it has to look like, man, then we're setting him up to just blow our minds. We're setting him up to just smile while he gives us good gifts and like kids on Christmas morning. Like he just gets to watch us relish in his goodness right? Because he wants, he wants to do good things for us. So I'm expecting, I think that's actually a word for us for this year. I don't think it is. It's a word for us for this year. We feel like the Lord gave us that word expectancy to wait and see what the Lord does as he's establishing this corporate body. And then I just encourage you, I invite you to be expectant, you know, and what the Lord wants to do, what the Lord's gonna do how the Lord wants to blow your mind, how the Lord wants to give you good gifts, how the Lord wants to bring you into, a, you know, encounters, you know, more and more and more encounters, ongoing encounters, not just a one and done encounter, but an, you know, 
ongoing encounters. Does that sound like fun? Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. To get more information, check out riverlifefellowship.com.